Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees and anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, I'm one of the trainees here in Wales and I'm one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we're going to continue our episode about antibiotic use in neonates. One of our Dragon Bites presenters, Dr. Sean Williams, was joined by a local paediatric pharmacist by the name of Tom Wiley, who was kind enough to start off the episode last week. Now, Tom wanted to apologise for a mistake he made when talking last week, when he was discussing pharmacokinetics, and more specifically the ADME acronym, what the A stood for was absorption. And even though Tom spent a lot of the time talking about absorption, he did accidentally say administration at the beginning. So just to clarify that, the A in ADME stands for absorption. Anyway, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it's probably worth going back to listen to that one before carrying on with this one. For now, let's get started. So, and we talked a little bit about, um, you mentioned about um, people with children have seizures and things. Are there any common interactions to be aware of in, well, neonates or paediatrics? For antibiotics? Yeah. Yeah, So, um, so there's some um, in terms of uh, whether you can give things at the same time. So uh, we'd probably say that about compatibility rather than interactions. But okay, So things yeah. like um, it, you shouldn't give calcium at the same time as keftriaxone because that can um, cause precipitation. Okay. Um, uh, so Do you mean at, in the, at the same time through the same line? Uh, yeah, I think even even not through the same line. Okay. I don't I don't see that that much. So, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that you shouldn't give that at the same at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I've I've read a couple of case reports yeah. of that happening and people getting deposition of like calcium deposits yeah. in like um their the vasculature. Yeah, yeah, it's quite serious. I think so. So <laughs> we do need to <laughs> make sure of that. Horrendous. Yeah. yeah, there's there's not actually that many of the antibiotics I've talked about. There's not that many um, interactions. Um, it's maybe. Um, there can be additive effects of adverse drug reactions. So maybe if if more than one of the antibiotics can cause nephrotoxicity, then you're more likely to get that when you add more than, so like vancomycin and gentamicin together, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to get a a problem with the kidney. And so uh, that's something to think about. Um, There's there's also a rare interaction between paracetamol and flucloxacillin, which has been reported to cause high anion gap metabolic acidosis, which I, I wasn't aware oh of until I've, recently. I've given those two together. I think it's fairly I think it's fairly common to <laughs> yeah. give those together. But I think it's it's just something to be aware of that there's yeah. quite a few case reports and it is in the BNF as a as a severe interaction. So yeah. it is something to in terms of other antibiotics, so the the one that kind of uh, a siren goes off in my head, which I, we haven't talked about, is rifampicin. So that's mm. that's a, a cytochrome P four fifty three A four inducer. So that's got quite a lot of interactions. So if wow. if they're you know it's not used very much, mm. um, but if you do start somebody on rifampicin, then check the interactions. When do we use rifampicin? Uh, so maybe for I mean micro advice, but yeah. uh, maybe for MRSA yeah. or something like that. TB. Yes, yeah, yeah, TB. It's in the it's in the com- no, yeah, it's in the combination preparations yeah. for for TB. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so you mentioned about ototoxicity and nephrotoxicity. Are there any other important adverse drug reactions that we should consider or you know keep our eyes out for with certain antibiotics? 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, we've talked about the aminoglycosides, um, yeah. and then um, it's it's important to say that probably some um, adverse drug reactions are uh, dose related. So, so we know that if uh, the patient has had a toxic level, high level, then they're more likely to get um, a, a reaction. But if, um, but some are um, not dose related, so they can so um, things like uh, cholestatic jaundice and hepatitis after um, treatment with flucloxacillin, sometimes yeah. up to a couple of months after it's been stopped. Um, so um, one of the things is uh, that it would be good to talk about before um, Patient Safety Day where we're talking about... Oh, yeah, um, actually, what good good link there. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that yet, have we? No, so uh, yeah, uh, medication without harm um, is one of the themes um, this year. and. Um, reporting adverse drug reactions is a really important uh, thing because um, it's called post-marketing surveillance and uh, particularly in neonates and, and children there's, there's less um, data on, on adverse drug reactions before they're, um, before they're released into the world <laughs> as licensed medicines because <laughs> yeah. often things might not be licensed in those populations. Uh, we saw a lot about uh, reporting um, Adverse drug reactions with the with the vaccines for mm. COVID and and mm. for um, and we saw those those yellow cards um, showing the signals of, of potential reactions. Um, so it, it was probably just I wanted to run through so why we report adverse drug reactions. So so it's it's again to um, protect protect our population um, mm. so that we know about things that are happening. It's important to report even if it's a known drug reaction it's not something just something that nobody's ever seen before because you want to know the the prevalence yeah. of those reactions so um you should report um anytime there's a serious uh, drug reaction um to any medicine or anytime there's any kind of reaction to one that's what's called a black triangle drug so in the BNF, you'll mm -hmm. see a little upside down triangle next to some drugs, which I are. Have. I so those I've are. I wondered what that was there. <laughs> <laughs> so those are ones that are um, they're usually newer drugs that are under intensive monitoring. So okay. any um, uh, suspected adverse drug reactions to those drugs should be reported via a yellow card, um, and you can report. Um, uh, so anyone can report a yellow card, um, and. Uh, don't worry if you if you're not sure if one has already been done for the patient because they that can be worked out later. Um, it's just important to get it down. So it, it can be done online. Um, I think they've taken out the physical ones from yeah, the back of the BNF. I remember those little yellow sheets. Yeah. So so that's yeah. why they were called yellow cards because yeah. they were yellow. Um, I think you can get an app if you yeah. want an app on your phone to report yellow yeah. cards. Really the yellow quickly. card scheme. Yeah, app, the, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so everyone can report, and and I think it's it's something that we can all do to to make sure that we've got as much data as we can, so we we know um, yeah. what we're giving, and that's really important. I think I've only used it a couple of times, but it's been for things that were relatively new in kids. So I think I did it once for a potential COVID vaccine reaction. I think was the last time I used it. But it's, it's it's easy enough to do. It only takes a few minutes. And that's not like me trying to shamelessly plug using it, but it isn't that hard. No. Basically, yeah. if Ethan Asim can do it, <laughs> you could do it too. Yeah. I, I think it's just, we think of it as, as just as I said, for the weird and wonderful things that nobody's ever seen before, but 
But it, if there's any kind of serious drug reaction, mm-hmm. even if it's something that we know about, that, then that should be, you know, if gentamicin has caused nephrotoxicity, then that should be yeah. yellow carded because mm-hmm. that is a serious drug reaction, even though we all know that that's a potential, that it has the potential to do that. Mm. Yeah, that's worth remembering, isn't it? Because it's easy to go, well, you know, it's one of the common side effects that we're talked, isn't it? Yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily think to report it. So actually, I think that's a really useful thing to bring up. Um, shifting slightly, we talk a lot, we hear a lot about um, antibiotic resistance. How does that come about? I appreciate that's probably quite a big topic for a quick answer. I don't know whether you could give us some bullet points. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give my my interpretation of it. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you if you if there's a microorganism and you um, are giving antibiotics, um, if there's a small amount of antibiotic around, so, but not enough to fully get rid of the of the microorganism, then if any of the bugs can work out how to live with that antibiotic, have some kind of um, mutation or something, um, then they will. And there will also be a selective pressure for, because uh, the antibiotic will kill all the other ones apart from the one that has got the mutation. Mm. And so therefore that one will will grow. Um, and uh, yeah, so that will then become the dominant strain. And it happens when patients have either have been undertreated, so uh, not had enough um, of the antibiotic course um, or when we overuse antibiotics so we're giving broader spectrum antibiotics than we need to um, and the things that we do to try and avoid that then are um, there's a, an initiative called start smart then focus so that that's um, where you when you're starting an antibiotic you don't start with the broadest possible spectrum um, you start with uh, smart um, <laughs> and then after within the first 48 hours then you focus so you um, see if you've got uh, sensitivities back um, or you switch from IV to oral and you switch to the narrowest possible spectrum antibiotic that you can um, and then and then review it as you know kind of in good time there's a and this is yet again me going on the side, so yet yeah, this might well get cut out. One of, the, <laughs> one of the biggest problems I have, like uh, shift. yeah, this is I, I warned you, I would get really giddy and, chatty, and very flighty. Um, but but what? <laughs> but one one of the problems I always run into um, in ED or in CAU, uh, I'm sure you get this as well, Sean. It's, it's when someone comes in. Um, and they started like a day or two of antibiotics and you're convinced that it's a viral infection mm. and then you've got that problem of do I stop this course of antibiotics because yeah. it's probably pointless and prevent yeah. overexposure or do I let them complete, complete it because what if they then brew something resistant and, and uh, that's always that's always the thing isn't it like how much is so we're saying oh it's it's not enough it's bad to do not enough but it's bad to do too much yeah. so there's always like the <laughs> what, how many days is it and then like we always have a thing of like oh they've had they've had four days of antibiotics you can't stop at four days five days you can stop at you can stop at three five seven ten fourteen indefinitely twenty one yeah. there's, there's no you know you can't do- stop at day seventeen you have to go on to this like there's discrete ones that you have to Accepted do numbers yeah. that you can stop at on on your point yeah. uh, the other thing I find difficult is if they've been on antibiotics for a couple of days you sort of don't want to undermine the person. Yeah. that they've seen before because you do have an extra two days of history on them mm. 
Um, but you know, you know what it's like. Someone will say they'll either think badly of you for being flippant, mm. which hopefully you're not being flippant, or they'll think badly of the other doctor who sort of. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even want antibiotics to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I'm not, we're not going to give an answer to that one. No. Yet, I don't think. <laughs> other people figure that yeah. out for themselves. Um, cool. Okay. Well, so the other thing that's important to think about is mistakes and errors. Um, what are the common errors that are made in antibiotic prescribing, and how can we avoid them? How can we reduce <laughs> antibiotic errors and prescribing errors in general to zero? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> if I knew that, <laughs> then uh, I don't know. I mean, in some some ways, prescribing errors in general is um, taking care and attention, and uh, you know, treating prescribing as uh, the important job that it is, and making sure that because prescribing is really is communication from. The person who's made the decision, whether that's you as the prescriber writing it, or uh, you've had advice from somebody else, or uh, you know you've got the consultant that has made the decision um, through the prescriber, to then it's written down or electronically written down, um, and then it goes through to either the nurse administering it, or the patient, or the parent, or the carer administering it at home, um, and it goes through many layers of communication through that, and we need to make sure that you're part of it <laughs> whether you're the prescriber or then the pharmacist who's dispensing it that all of those all of that communication continues through mm. um and and part of that is things we already talked about talked about using kef as a you know <laughs> it, it's it's very easy to start using shortenings of things but being clear about what you want and then for antibiotics how long you want it for mm. when you want it to be reviewed or to stop yeah. um you know, as a as a pharmacist in a dispensary, one of the most common things will be a prescription for an antibiotic with no duration on, mm. and the pharmacist hasn't seen the patient. They don't. Yeah. You know, they can ask if the, but you you might need to then get back in touch with the prescriber. It's it's um mm. it's difficult. That's a real pain. It, it, it can be, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so or uh, putting putting. Having a way that you can easily be contacted is a is a good thing mm -hmm. on a on a prescription for for the prescriber to put on. Yeah. Um. Just because it is a horrible feeling in in a dispensary as a pharmacist when there's a patient waiting there who's been waiting around for hours already, and you can't get hold of the prescriber to see what clarify what they actually meant yeah. by by what they've written. And uh, so a, a couple of other things, other kind of tips would be. Um, that the dose that you use matters. So it, not all, you know, it's, if you look in the BNF under say amoxicillin, um, you'll find a dose. And then if you look down a bit further, you'll find a different dose for a different indication and you look further. So what, like earlier we were talking about, cover for listerial meningitis. Mm -hmm. So that dose is 100 milligrams per kilo. But if you look at the first one, it's 30 milligrams per kilo, mm -hmm. you know, if it's just a general infection or double the dose if it's a severe one. So you might be underdosing. So it's, it's don't be afraid to use the full dose. You can always step down afterwards if, mm -hmm. if that wasn't what you needed. Mm -hmm. um, but that's part of the starting smart is to make sure you are fully treating the thing that you want to treat. Mm -hmm. um, another another one of my pet peeves is is double don't double cover so if you're already using so so something like colmoxiclavir metronidazole mm. 
you're already covering the anaerobic bacteria with comoxiclav. You don't really need metronidazole as well. Mm. Or, <laughs> you know, if it's not necessarily better to have two antibiotics. I feel like there's a specific subgroup of our colleagues who use that combination, but <laughs> no, let's not call no, them out. <laughs> no, no, it's all about uh, systems, not people. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so, but, but yes, no, it, it, it's, we feel like often we're reassured by having more than one antibiotic because, you know, you're, you're kind of hitting two different things or whatever, but it doesn't always need it, particularly if it's a very broad spectrum antibiotic, you yeah. don't need another different antibiotic. And then the last thing is to use the most up-to-date information that you've got. So for that, in terms of sensitivities, if you've got sensitivities, then use the sensitivities. Don't just go off what you were when you started it and broad spectrum. If you've then got sensitivities, then use that. Hmm. And then in terms of when you're taking levels for something, um, that's the most up-to-date information. So the BNF or whichever reference source will have a, a dose for a drug, but it's important to remember that Patients have doses, not drugs, really. So once you've found the right dose for a patient, say they're on vancomycin and their level is exactly in range, and then if they, so we get this question quite a lot, so then they put on weight. Do we then change the dose? Because, you know, should we increase the dose because they put on weight? But we've just found, we've got the level that says that they're having exactly the right dose for them. So don't change the dose just because yeah. we've found some other, you know, that's not the most up-to-date information the 15 milligram per kilo, mm. the most up-to-date information is the level that we've just taken. I think that's the thing, we can be so sort of blinded by protocols at times that it's easy to stop using your brain. Speaking for myself mainly, but I think, <laughs> you know, you, what you've described there is people saying, oh, well it's X milligrams per kilo, therefore they've gone up in weight, mm. but like you say, if you've already got the most recent... Yeah, it's um, it not, not if it's not something that's level you know that you can measure the levels of yeah. and yeah by all means if, if and it doesn't you know you're not going to go too high or whatever but for something like vancomycin or another one is so gentamicin you're doing a, a routine level uh, pre the second dose and there's no reason to think that there's any problem with them um, but for some reason the sample clots and you haven't got a level mm. and then so the next level they then hold the dose the next the next dose but there's no reason to think it's just you haven't got the dose <laughs> you haven't got the level back so you yeah. don't know that it was in range but it probably was in range because yeah. everything yeah. else was right yeah that's a or, common question isn't it do i give or do i hold yeah and, or yeah, if yeah. you take the level at the wrong time so, so if you take a level straight after a dose that you've just given it will be high so it will scare you because it's really really high yeah but that's what it always is it's just normally we don't measure it then yeah, yeah. so if you've taken a level at the wrong time mostly just ignore it yeah it's, it's it, pretend you never saw it because <laughs> because you wouldn't normally see it yeah. and it doesn't make any difference because it, you've taken it at the wrong time yeah so just take it at the right time and act on that yeah i think for me when it comes to prescribing safely what i find hardest is often if you're sat at a desk and you're doing a bit of writing, you're sort of a prime candidate for a chat or somebody to come and ask you to do something. So I have learnt over the years to be a little bit more assertive and just say, really sorry, do you mind just giving me a couple of minutes? I'm just writing this drug chart because I am very easily distracted. Mm. And that's, you know, the, the way that, you know, dosing errors and... It's, it's really important so. that, that we, we treat prescribing seriously. Yeah. It's, it's not just if a chart rewrite 
is not a copying exercise. No. So it, it feels like it is because you are copying. But every time, then when you sign the new chart, it doesn't matter what the old chart said. You've signed that chart, and it, it you know that's your signature on it. And so yeah, I think it is really important to so it, on NICU here we have a no prescribing on the war drowned and advice and that isn't I'm I'm not going to tell somebody off for prescribing You're on the war drowned I'm not the police for that <laughs> that is for for the prescribers to be able to say no actually this is important and I'm not going to do it while I'm also trying to listen to something else mm. and move on to the next patient and do something else because there's lots of studies that show that if you're interrupted, if you're doing other things, if your brain's not 100% on that, then you will make more errors. Yeah. And prescribing, you know, it's, it's the most common intervention that doctors make day to day. And we know that it's error prone. Mm -hmm. It's about kind of uh, between six and 9% of prescriptions potentially have, have some kind of error on. Um, and that's just normally <laughs> and it yeah. will be more if you're trying to do something else at the same time exactly because right. my research is into this sort of like patient safety clinical decision making at the same time as being distracted thing and one and because pharmacy errors are so common a lot of hospitals have brought in this thing of like safe zones have you have you i don't know if we've got any in cardiff but where where if you're the doctor or prescriber i should say sat down at a specific spot no one's unless it's an absolute emergency no one's allowed to interrupt you because you're there prescribing so you can just be task focused and you've got the same thing for the nurses so it was when they're um but when they're reconstituting their drug um they can't be interrupted as, as well so they've got their own safe drug um preparation area so, so they've done that so i mean pick you here have have kind of a prescribing zone i don't know mm. quite how I, I think and then it's yeah so for um there's a project like red red tabards often it is mm. for for nurses who are yeah. preparing medicines mm. um, and so nobody can talk to them unless unless they uh, I think that those things I think those things work in in but it's as part of having that culture shift and so and I think that helps that culture shift but it doesn't do it by itself so I think if you like I've heard bad stories of somebody's in the red, you know, a nurse is in the red tabard, another nurse wants to talk to them, so they go and put on a red tabard so they can go over and, you know, say yeah. the thing they want to say. So, you know, that's an example of, yeah. of you know, you can you can put something in, but people can always, yeah. unless yeah. people then understand the reasoning mm. for don't interrupt that person, mm. it, it, it's, it's just difficult because it's the, it is the culture of, there's a, there are too many jobs to be done <laughs> and, yeah. and so and as you as you said before like when you're sitting down quietly writing a chart that seems like a time when somebody can interrupt you because it seems like maybe you're writing notes or yeah. whatever which you shouldn't be interrupted with that either but it's um it's difficult to get that across and i do think it's it's a wider cultural thing and if you if you can manage that alongside having the specific zone or tabard or whatever it is mm. that that marks the person out as non-interruptible mm. silly hat those kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> those yeah. kind of thing <laughs> um yeah some prescribing top hat or something that that would maybe be the the, <laughs> the next <laughs> yeah okay I'll, I, that's the move i'm going to be pushing okay, my cool. research towards <laughs> is bringing in the prescribing top hat <laughs> <laughs> oh i'd love that yeah that's oh that's everything that we were going to talk about today is there anything that 
you think that we should uh, tell tell the paediatric world about before we finish <laughs> this podcast? Uh, no. I, I suppose as I'm here as a pharmacist, I'll do a little mini plug for pharmacy just because I guess that we feel like as a profession often that uh, we're sometimes not quite as visible as some of the others. So I, I suppose it's just yeah. to kind of say that pharmacists are, and pharmacy technicians and other uh, staff who work in pharmacies across community pharmacies and primary care and in GP surgeries and um, here in hospitals across lots of different specialties and um, in medicines information and technical services and so making up medicines and PN and things um, and we're all all kind of working behind the scenes and Try, yeah, trying to optimise medicines use and, and make things safer for patients and um, I suppose it's it's just a bit of a shout out to say that, that um, be nice to your local pharmacist and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, we're there trying, trying to do our best for patients. Okay, so you're trying to get people to convert to pharmacy. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or just, be, just be generally pro, pro pharmacy in I terms of like seeing, what, seeing what we can yeah, do and, and what we, you know, we, we try and, we don't tend to shout about it, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, th- I am, so. Which you are now. Yeah, I am now and, and you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to be part of the team, yeah. team doing it. Yeah, Absolutely. I feel like in general, but I think in paediatrics in particular, we like our pharmacists. They save us well, I like so to often. Think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Personal experience, I have been saved yeah. by pharmacists. Yeah. Oh, that's been really helpful, Tom. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you for having me. Um, and, you know, it ties in nicely with the theme that we obviously had planned in advance the medication theme of the Patient Safety Day on the 17th of September, which yeah. is a Saturday. So don't forget that. Um, and that's all for today. Yeah. And oh. thanks for letting me host for the first time. <laughs> thanks, Sean. <laughs> I might not be allowed back. <laughs> uh, if so, it's been nice talking to you all. And I just wanted to say thank you again to both Sean and Tom for recording that episode for us. I hope you all learnt a lot more about pharmacology and neonates now. Next week, we'll have one of our Dragon Bites Basics episodes out for you, so make sure you tune in for that. Anyway, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. <laughs>